welcome to another episode of Triumph and Tierras. I am your hostess, Suzanne Proxa, business strategist and coach for female entrepreneurs who are purpose-driven and looking to make a major impact in the world. This podcast is my passion and is intended to showcase women who have overcome obstacles to hopefully inspire and empower all of you to do the same. And now on with the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Triumph and Tierras. I am incredibly stoked about my guest today. I ran into her online a couple months back, and she has been an absolute delight. And she has such an amazing story. You guys are in for a real treat today. Not only is she a sweetheart, but her, her story is amazing as well. Uh, Kim Peak, she is a running triathlon and fitness coach. And she is a breast cancer survivor. And uh, I am just going to dive into this because you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. So Kim, first of all, welcome. Hello. I'm so excited to be on your podcast and get a chance to tell my story. Well, let's just dive into this because I, like I said, I'm super excited. So first question for you, how did you find out that you had breast cancer? Well, I did not find out about it in the way that you would expect. Usually you feel a lump or you go and you have your annual mammogram and you get this shocking news. For me, I was in the best shape of my life. And I think that that's what makes this story um, maybe a little bit unique. And to me, I feel like my story is miraculous because the way I found it was I was getting into the shower one night and the light hit me just right as I turned toward the mirror on my way into the shower. And I saw this, I mean, it was like this itty bitty microscopic dimple and it looked like something that at my age you could easily dismiss as, Oh, you know, I'm getting older. Things are starting to sag. That's just like, um, you know, gravity doing its thing, but something made me question it. And so I made an appointment with my doctor to go in and, and have it checked out. And even the doctor, you know, they, they do the breast exam and they're like, well, I don't feel anything. It's probably nothing, but let's just go and get it checked out. And because I'm a little bit obsessive about my health and I do all the things you're supposed to do to stay healthy, you know, I, I kept that appointment and I went and got the mammogram and they scheduled a sonogram that day. And it, it was just very different, um, I think, because even at that, that appointment, they usually don't tell you right away that you have cancer. And the doctor that oversees, review, like, that reviews all of those tests came in and met with me and said, you probably have cancer. So here's what the next steps are. So, but I feel really lucky because mine was caught super early and I caught it myself. And a lot of people don't catch something at such an early stage. 
Wow. So that really is amazing. And that is so true. They don't usually come in and, and talk to you about those things. Um, I know I call myself a medical marvel. I've been through quite a bit and it's a, a rare occasion when they actually do that. Mm -hmm. So tell me, you know, what are some of the signs of breast cancer that indicate someone should see their doctor? Well, everybody always knows that you should do your breast exam once a month and that lumps are the thing that you're supposed to be looking for. And most of the people that I have talked to are not aware of some of the other signs. For example, nobody knew that a lot of the people that I have talked to didn't know that a dimpling could be a sign of breast cancer. And it looked like just a little piece of cellulite that just kind of puckered in funny. Um, also, if you have hot spots in your breasts or if you have some unusual discharge or they start to look, you know, the, the shape is varying from one side to the next. Those are just all things that you should be aware of and just have somebody take a look at. And a lot of time it is times it is nothing, but it's just smart. If you, when we have all of these great resources, it's just smart to keep your annual appointments and get those things checked out. That's great advice. So tell me, what were some of your biggest fears when you found out you had cancer? You know, one of my biggest fears actually was having people look at me and go, oh, she looks sick. You know, I was worried about what people would say and what they would think. Um, I just didn't want to be treated like a sick person. But then, you know, when you're first diagnosed, some of the other things that immediately went through my mind was this was the summer before my oldest daughter started her senior year in high school. And so I, I wanted to make sure I felt well. And she's a theater major. And there's a pretty involved audition process that goes on for theater majors or musical theater majors or dance majors or any of those kids in the arts. It's a lengthy process and it takes a lot of parental involvement. And so I was really stressed out that I, that I wasn't going to be able to help as much as I wanted to or needed to. Um, and then also because it was her senior year, we knew we were getting family pictures taken. And so this is kind of silly, but these are just the things that go through your mind. I was like, oh my gosh, I am in the best shape of my life right now. I look amazing. And this is how I want to remember myself. And then I'm like, what if I lose my hair? Should we get the senior pictures taken early? And you know, all of these things are racing through my mind. But um, yeah, just the biggest one was I just didn't want people to treat me any differently because I might look sick. But wow. I think everybody reacts to those things differently. Oh, also, I, I probably should say at no point did anybody ever say I was dying. So, I mean, we knew we caught an early stage cancer. So you still have those, am I living my life to the best of my potential kinds of thoughts, but I wasn't having those, oh my gosh, I'm going to die kind of thoughts. Wow. So I think it's interesting that you, you know, you bring up other people's reaction. And I think that that's a, a really good thing for us to bring up today so that people realize that that, that is something that people go through. Cause I don't think we talk about that very much. Yeah, you know, and I was super worried about most of the way through the process, nobody told me. I mean, I was not going to need chemo. It was an early stage cancer. 
Um, so I had a bilateral mastectomy, but as long as the lymph nodes were clear, I was told I wasn't going to need chemo. But then there's this test called an oncotype test, and it came back saying that I had an early stage cancer, and it was a slow growing cancer, but it was also a kind that was aggressive and would want to try to come back. And because of that, and what my score was on that test, I needed to have chemo. And so um, I forgot where I was going with that. But anyway, it was just like a very um, surprising thing because chemo was not in the plan and it was sprung on me after the fact. Interesting. So I read that you used a lot of mental tricks to stay positive as you moved through the various stages of treatment. Can you share some of those to help the audience? Yeah, um, I think that's probably one of the things, I mean, if you can be proud of something related to cancer, which sounds crazy, I think my mindset skills were something I was the most proud of. Um, at our house, we kind of have a 24-hour rule. My girls are all in theater, and so you face a lot of disappointment. And for them, the 24-hour comes, rule comes into effect if you audition for a role and you don't get what you want, you have 24 hours to mope and complain in private. And then after that 24 hours are up, you need to get your attitude right and congratulate your friends and be happy with whatever role you did get. And if you didn't get a role, you need to, you know, get with your game and make plans for the future. You know, what are you going to do to move on from this? So, um, I did let myself have a little bit more than 24 hours, um, but I kind of tried to stick to it. I didn't let myself have more than a few days where I was allowed to mope and be all gloom and doom and think about all the worst things that could happen. And then after that, it was just a matter of taking it one day and one problem and one emotion at a time and not letting myself get overwhelmed with all the what's going to happen, what could happen. And I it's super that. hard when you have all these questions and you don't think of things while you're at the doctor and then you start Googling because we all do that even if we know we're not supposed to. Oh, yes. And so you start Googling things and then you get into these forums and you read just everybody's worst case scenario. So for me, one of the other things I needed to do was to let people know what I expected. And, you know, you have tons of people that just come out of everywhere. Oh, do you want to be my, meet my best friend's sister's cousin who had breast cancer? She'll tell you how to do it. And support groups are amazing and they're great for some people. But for me, I did not want my mindset to be influenced by all the worst case scenarios and all the bad things that could happen to somebody. So just, you know, knowing what I needed and telling people, no, I don't, I don't want to talk to this to, to anybody right now. And, and then I was actually training with a working with a triathlon coach at the time. And I asked him to help me find elite athletes, help me find stories of elite athletes who went through something similar, who persevered. And there's really not a ton of stories like that. But he did find me another local woman 
who went through everything I did and was doing great. So I was trying to surround myself with people who I knew would lift me up. I love and then, that. And then another thing I did was I, I just tried to find the humor in it. Um, so at one point I had this idea for these t-shirts and I said, let's get t-shirts printed. And, and the shirts were designed because we're a musical theater family. I took the Bye Bye Birdie logo and we turned it into Bye Bye Boobies. And it was just going to be this little t-shirt just for me and a few family members. And then once I showed people the design, everybody wanted them. And so I'm like, well, I guess we could sell them, but I don't want to profit off of my situation. So I saved all that money. And then later on, um, we found out about another local family where it was a dad with five kids and they were also active in our local theater community. And he was going through, I think it was leukemia at the time. And it was about time for school to start at this point. And they have all these kids, the dad's out of work. And so we, we took all of that money um, that we raised from the shirts and we donated it to this family so that um, they would have money for back to school. Because back to school is expensive when you have five kids. When you have one kid, it's expensive. Right. Wow. That is amazing. So those are some of the things I did just to lift my own spirits. Um, and then to just play that mental game with myself. Um, a lot of it was trying to focus on my problems and putting the focus on other people. And so in my Facebook community for my, um, I have a Facebook page called power of run and it is a community or a, a page that I use for my coaching business and everybody is runners. And um, on my Facebook page, I started a random acts of kindness challenge that I would also participate in just to kind of try to get my, get out of my own head and focus on other people. So I did a lot of things like that. That is really amazing. That was one of those moments where I started to get choked up that I was worried about with this show. So you already dove into this a little bit, um, but there's no way to predict how a person will react to bad news. I know I have my moments, uh, but it's inevitable that each of us at some point is going to face something very difficult. Um, what tips can you share with the audience who are dealing with hard times or may deal with hard times in the future? I think one of the biggest things that I learned through this was that everybody has something bad that happens to them at some point in their life. And it's really how we deal with it that matters. And so you, you just, you need to really, I mean, you can't feel horrible about, oh, this horrible thing is happening to me and sit there and dwell on it because these kinds of things happen to everybody. And so you have to be prepared for um, just to kind of get your attitude right. And I had something else I was going to say. And again, I have lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. We all do it. <laughs> yeah. So if I think of it, we can come back to that. Absolutely. So as women, hair can sometimes be something we get very emotional about. 
how do you, how did you react when you found out that you would need to have chemo? So at first I, I mentioned that at first I didn't know that I was going to need to have chemo and the whole process of testing to figure out if you even technically have breast cancer is a long process. So it took about a month while we were going through all this testing and, and we didn't tell anybody that any of this was going on um, because I didn't want for one to scare my kids and their friends about something that I was hoping would turn out to be nothing, but that all the doctors were pretty positive. But I kept on saying it is not cancer until the biopsy confirms it. And so during that one month where, where I was still, I had this news to myself, my, one of my daughters was in a production of Anything Goes, and all of the girls had to wear these cute little wigs. And I'm sitting there watching this show, and I'm like, those are the most awesome wigs. And then I'm, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I have to get chemo, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a different wig for every single day. And it was just like, bam, right there in that moment, I was like, okay, I don't want to lose my hair. I don't want to have chemo. But if it happens, this is what's going, this is how I'm going to react. And so then, you know, we have to fast forward. I, I have, because I didn't even know I for sure had cancer yet. So then fast forward to the day I find out that I have to have chemo. And I'm completely freaking out because even if you're prepared for losing your hair, you're not prepared for losing your hair. There's just, there's just nothing. I mean, we can, we can all think that, oh, I'd be okay if I didn't have my hair, but it is such a part of how people look at you and perceive you. It, it lets people know if, you know, it tells people that there's something wrong with you. And I, I seriously still did not want people to treat me like I was sick. Even after the mastectomy and all of that had happened, I was still freaking out about, don't treat me like a sick person. Anyway, so I, I went through my moping part. And then at the end of that 24-hour period, I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We are going to get those cute wigs. And so I got on Amazon. Oh, and then, then I was looking around for different things people had done. And I remember that I saw um, that a lot of people were doing these hair shaving parties. And I thought, well, that would be kind of cool. So I'll do a hair shaving party the day I noticed that my hair is actually starting to fall out from the chemo. And that'll make me feel like I have some control over the situation. So that is kind of what I did to make sure that to, to the mind trick I used that time to deal with it. I said, okay, I'm going to have a family hair shaving party. And when that one happened, um, my, one of my daughters happened to be in Sweeney Todd, which I think is kind of funny because the, like the whole big plot pointed around there is there's the demon barber. And okay. so Sarah gets done with Sweeney Todd rehearsal that night that I start losing my hair. And I had sent out this little text. I was trying to be funny. Alert, alert, family hair shaving night is tonight. And while we were waiting for her to get home from rehearsal so that my kids could shave my hair, um, I'm sitting out like a, a pink, pink um, cloth that I put my table on or my chair on in the middle of the bathroom. And I have all these hair clippers that I had ordered off of Amazon and I'm setting this whole thing up. So she walks in the door and I pull the whole family into my, our master bathroom. And I'm like, okay, time to cut my hair guys. And that turned out to be, I think one of the most brilliant things we did because 
um, my youngest was 10 at the time. And that can be kind of scary to see your mom going bald. And so we let her just take the scissors and just start cutting chunks of my hair. And we just kind of made it this thing that we laughed about, like, oh, no, there goes more hair. And so she gave me this little cut straight across my bangs, and it looked like Dora the Explorer. It was ah. so funny. And then um, I let each of the girls kind of go through and cut my hair, cut more pieces off. And what was kind of fun about it was we were video taking video at the same time and taking pictures. And it turned to something that could have been sad into kind of a happy, fun time. Maybe not as much for them, but it was it was fun for me. It made it just way more turn something sad into a happy moment. Um, but but what another cool thing about it was I was able to, as we took these pictures, see what my hair would look like in different stages as it grew back. So first we went to the bob and then we had like cut up over the ears and they weren't professional haircuts, but it was kind of like, oh, when my hair starts growing back that's going to be a fun hairstyle to look forward to. And then at the very end, my husband took the clippers and he did this quarter inch cut and gave me like the GI Jane look. <laughs> and so that was kind of how I got dealt with the hair thing. Um, tying back to the answer that I, I was losing my train of thought on was um, I think you need to be able to tell people what it is you need from them. And so throughout the whole process, I had been telling people what I needed. You know, don't, don't send me all your people with cancer. I don't want to hear all the horror stories. I don't even want to hear the good stories if they had to suffer a lot ahead of time. Um, but then one of the other things I knew I needed was that day after we shaved my head, I was terrified to leave the house. And so I had already arranged with a friend and I said, okay, here's the deal. I need you to come over in the morning and I need you to help me get dressed. And then could we just spend the whole day out in public doing things so I can get used to being out so I don't feel like people are staring at me. And that was like one of, again, one of those really memorable, amazing days. What an amazing approach to that. I think that 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 was just a great way to deal with such a, a difficult, a difficult time. Um, I absolutely, I think that is amazing. And the fact that you turned it into something that was more fun, um, as fun as it could be, of course, it was just great. And I hope that that's something the audience can take away should they ever have to do the same. Now, I know that you are big on exercise uh, because movement is good for the brain and for pain management, um, of course, strength and, and cardiovascular and fitness and all of that. You know, the health coach and me geeks out over that stuff. Of course. <laughs> Can you tell us how you used exercise throughout your treatment? Okay, so there's three big things that are memorable for me when it comes to this. First, I was in this amazing shape because I, it was, it was right before triathlon season when I was diagnosed and I was all trained up for a killer season. So I was in great shape to begin with, which is my point here. Um, so not that 
everybody could just, oh, I have a cancer diagnosis and go out and do this. But by, so this was one of the things I told people I need is as I'm recovering, I want to make sure that I am active. And I knew I couldn't run right away because I mean, I just had like this big major chest surgery, right? And have these scars and bandages and drains hanging out my sides. But the doctors told me as soon as I felt like I was up to it, I could walk. And so I had all of these friends lined up to come over, pick me up and take me somewhere to walk. And so starting by the fifth day, I was walking. And then by the day 12, I was walking three to six and a half miles a day with a different friend. I don't think I walked with the same person twice. It was a different friend who came up every single day and took me for a walk. So, you know, I got active quickly, which for me just helped me mentally because for one, it was a social thing because I had a friend who was walking with me. So I was surrounding myself with people, which was important to my healing. But then also I was staying busy and I was in such great shape. I mean, that was another fear of mine really was, oh my gosh, I do not want to lose this amazing fitness that I have built up. And so I started moving really quickly. And then by the third week, at the end of the third week, my doctor actually cleared me to run. So I wasn't running huge long distances and I was being really smart about how I was doing it, but I was cleared to run at the three week mark. So then the other place that, um, exercise kind of came in was when I started chemo chemo those first couple couple days after a treatment just leaves your body completely wiped out and you get a lot of muscle and joint and bone pain and there were days where I felt like when it hit me I felt like I couldn't get up and walk I couldn't move but I'm not somebody who likes to sit around on the couch And so I found this yoga video and it was just a seven minute yoga video. And every time I would do that two, three, four times a day, just, and then every time after I did it, I would be able to move again. So I think that was such a huge thing. And it's so counter to what people, people think, you know, you think you're in pain and, oh, I'm just going to sit here because it's going to hurt to move more. But since I was already such a big exerciser, I knew the exercise was going to help. And so I did what my body was going to allow, which was this yoga routine on those days. That's fantastic advice. And then the third place, this is what I'm also kind of proud of, was the day of my first chemo treatment. There is a race that I used to help organize. And my first chemo treatment turned out to be on that day of this race. Um, it's a, called the Patriots Run, and it's always on September 11th, no matter what September 11th falls on. It's, you know, if it's in the middle of the week, that's when the race is. And so I still wanted to show up at this race. And so I asked my oncologist, um, can I go run a 5K tonight? And everybody looked at me like I was nuts. But the guy, the doctor's like, as long as you feel okay, you can go run. And so I did this 5K, and I was super proud of myself. And then I decided that for every round of chemo, I would run another 5K. And and when I say run, that's like a super loose, um, I mean, it was whatever I felt like I could do. I wasn't running hard, but I was getting out there and, and doing something. So I had a 5K for every round of chemo. And then 
when I was all done with my treatment, the week after, I had a bunch of friends who came and ran a half marathon with me, which was super fun. If we did it at my pace and we just laughed and talked the whole time, but that was kind of my victory celebration. So those are the ways that exercise kind of played into what I was doing. And I knew I was going to do that half marathon at the end. So I had this goal to look forward to, which helped me stay active. And again, I didn't push myself hard to run. It was all dependent on, is this a good day? Okay, I'll run. Is it not a good day? Maybe I'll do yoga or walk. So amazing. And uh, I think a lot of the listeners know that I'm also a certified health coach. And so, you know, this kind of thing I geek out over. I'm also a fibromyalgia um, warrior. And, you know, what she's saying about exercise is so true. You know, you kind of feel like you're, you're in pain and so you shouldn't, but it's actually quite the opposite. So I think that's a great message. Um, Thank you. Yes. So you just talked about um, your amazing story with friends and family and how supported you were um, and, and they played a huge part in your recovery. Do you have other examples of that to share? The biggest thing really was just making sure that my friends knew what I needed. And when, you know how people, oh, if you need anything, let me know. And you're always like, oh, do they really mean it? Anybody who said that, if I actually needed something, I made sure that they knew that, yeah, what I need is for somebody to come take me for a walk. I need somebody to pick my kids up from school you know, whatever that was. Um, but yeah, my friends were just there for me. They were so amazing. Um, my husband happened to be traveling for work the day I found out that I was going to have to have chemo. And, you know, you're allowed to have a meltdown, even if no matter how positive you think you are or try to be, you're allowed to have a meltdown. And I was texting two of my friends just in tears. And they're like, nope, what are you doing right now? Let's go meet. And so we met for margaritas, which is my favorite. Um, but it was like a, I'm going to squeeze this in to this amount of time I really don't have because it was between soccer practice and picking somebody else up from a rehearsal. And I had maybe 40 minutes. So they get me there and we start drinking. And these drinks are so overly, it's not the watered down vacation club kind of drink you have. It was like super powerful. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, I can't go pick up my kids. And so, so then one of them calls her daughter and says, okay, go get Kim's kids. This is where Sarah's at. This is where Katie's at. Go pick them up and call me when you have them. <laughs> but so I had just, I had lots of situations like that where my friends would just rally around me and be like, okay, come on, we're going to take you. We're going to go do this. Um, there's also a cool story about the day of my first chemo treatment, um, they tell you that your food might not taste good and that you're going to have food aversions. And so I said, if I'm not going to be able to enjoy my food for the rest of the year, we need to go out for breakfast before chemo. And so my husband takes me out for breakfast. We walk into the restaurant and there are these two friends that I've been talking about. And it wasn't planned. They just happened to be there meeting for breakfast that day. And I swear there was this, 
it looked like a beam of light, like a halo over these two women's heads when we walked in. And I got so choked up seeing them and seeing this light over their head. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it was just such a weird, cool thing. I had so much anxiety going into my first round of chemo. And then just that breakfast and seeing my friends there, I just kind of made all the stress melt away. Wow, that is really cool. And, you know, as somebody who believes in in the woo and all of that stuff, you know, that just kind of, that really got to me, that part of the story. (laughs) I mean, I just, there's so many more things like that, especially with these two friends of mine, where just over and over, they were there for me. But then I also had so many friends who, you know how you go through stages in life where you might hang out with somebody and then, you know, your your paths don't cross as much. And so you don't hang out with them as much anymore. I had so many friends from like earlier stages of my life when our like my, the people that my kids would take swimming lessons with their moms who all of a sudden were reaching out to me and taking me to lunch and taking my mind off of things and just being there to hear me tell the same story over and over and over again, because that was how I had to process it was to just have somebody to tell it to. That's great. So one thing we haven't talked about is how this affected your, your coaching business. (laughs) So, yeah, so I had gotten my running and triathlon certifications Oh, maybe about a year before this all started. And I was starting to build up my clientele. And I I had some clients that I trained through that summer, but I usually only train people based on a season, you know, oh, I'm getting ready for this marathon. So let's, let's get ready for this marathon. So I had one client who had a fall marathon and she was awesome. And she stayed with me and you know, put up with the days where there were just days where you have so much brain fog from chemo that I couldn't get a coaching plan in. I couldn't get her, her stuff into our, our program that I sent out the plans in. And she was just so, so great. And and she actually ran awesome and crushed her race. And that was great. But then the brain fog that came after the chemo, it has taken me almost two over it took me over two years to get back to where I thought my brain was functioning right where I could plan and be creative and that is what killed my business not the fact that I was had cancer uh, the fact that I couldn't think and I couldn't use my brain to you know even enter something on my websites or promote something so that I could get my my clients back so that has been kind of hard and it's just been with since last fall where I feel like I'm on top of that again and I have ideas and so I'm, I feel like I'm basically relaunching my business. And then another, another way that you don't think about is cancer changes or at least you know what I went through changed my body. And changed how I looked. And, and aside from it changed, also changed my brain, which I'm, I finally feel like I've gotten back, but it changed how I look. And because I have to be on a hormone blocking drug now for the next five years to keep my cancer from coming back or to increase the chances, decrease the chances it will come back. Um, it messes with my joints and my, I have a lot of pain and it messes with my brain. 
And so, so that, that affected my business, but I was worried about, do I look like my product anymore? Cause I've gained weight. It, you know, hormone blocking just like shuts down your metabolism. So I've gained weight. And I was like, do I even look like my product anymore? Do I look like somebody, somebody would trust with their fitness? And it took me a long time to kind of get to this point where I feel like a lot of things about my life have changed and the activities I do, I, I just can't run as hardcore anymore. So it's kind of changed the kind of coaching and the kind of clients that I go after now. So that I, you know, I try to appeal, I think, to people who think they can't do it who or who aren't as confident or maybe who aren't as in as advanced, like there might be newer to running or newer to triathlon. Yeah, so I think that is a, a great mission and niche. I think there's definitely a need there. And it's interesting that you talk about that struggle because I know, you know, I have ladies in my community who feel the same way. Um, you know, you, you mentioned being worried about people trusting you with their fitness. It's not an uncommon belief. Um, but I think that, you know, acknowledging that and finding a new approach, I think that's amazing. Thank so, you. It took me, a, it took me a long time to get my mindset kind of back there going, you know, it really doesn't matter what I look like because I know a lot and I've been through a lot. And I can use those experiences to help people navigate their own things that they're going through. Definitely. So we are actually at the end of the interview, which is a bummer because you're so amazing. Aww. Uh, you, you guys, if you haven't seen Kimberly online, she is on Instagram. She's got a Happen Facebook page. And so why don't you tell the audience how they can hang out with you? Okay. So I am on Facebook as Power of Run and also Instagram and Twitter as the same Power of Run. I also have a website where you can get lots of, I have a whole bunch of different free fitness challenges that you can find by going to my website, crushingmygoals.com. And in addition to the freebies, you can also take a look at links where you can get into some of my free groups. And I have some run your first 5K, run your first half marathon class. And I have some monthly fitness challenge, boot camp style fitness challenges that I offer. Awesome. So there's a lot available for people to take advantage of. That's great. Well, Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun to kind of revisit my story and see how my per perspective has shifted over the last couple of years. Yes. Well, thank you. I think that the audience is going to really, there's a lot to take away from this podcast and I'm, I'm super honored that you were on the show. Um, I believe you are episode three or four. So one of the founding people on the show. So very Exciting. excited to have you. I'm excited to be on your new podcast. I think it's going to be a, a, a great podcast for you and for the people who even for the people who are your listeners. Yeah. So this podcast definitely has my heart. This one is straight from the heart for me. So 
Well, thank you again. And I, like I said, I know the audience is going to appreciate this. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you found some inspiration from today's episode. If you would like to find me and check me out, you can head over to SuzanneProxa.com. Or if you are a female entrepreneur who is purpose-driven, head over to my Facebook group at fempreneurs.biz. Thank you so much for listening today, and I will see you in the next episode.